How are you ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Mailbag. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. G'day. This week's guest is Ben from Supercoach Insider. Thanks for joining us again, mate. Last time we saw you, the season was about to begin. How have you fared over the first eight weeks? Um, like everyone, I think, uh, you know, playing, was it Minesweeper, where you're, you're trying to make some really good decisions and then you just absolutely you know, get shit out of luck at some point, boys. But hey, look, long time listener, first time caller, so thank you for having me on. And Clarky, how are you, mate? Just skipped over you a little bit there. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I did okay again, and I'm slowly climbing up. I'm well within that top 10K now, so I'm sitting around around the 6,000 mark, which is good. So as long as I don't make any horrific trades reasonably, I should be able to at least maintain and just keep on climbing. It feels like this week is one of those weeks where people want to make moves, but there's nothing obvious out there. So I feel like not trading this week might actually be the better option in some cases, but we've got some questions to answer because people are itching to make some moves. So we won't waste any time. We'll get stuck straight into them. This first one comes from Patch. Ah, the retiree. Is it about super? Uh, No, it wasn't actually. It was about super coach. Um, uh. He wants to know, should we be going for big guns like Jordan Dawson when they've bottomed out now? Or do we got to go for the Powells and Brayshaws because they're so cheap and cash generation is so bad this year, especially if you've missed some rookies? Oh, bottomed out. It's hard to say Dawson's bottomed out at 654K. No, 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 no. Sorry, wrong inflections there when I was reading the question. Um, he just wants to know, do we go for the big guns when they're bottomed out or do we go for the cheaper pre- premiums because cash generation is so bad? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, Dawson, I still consider a must have at some point. And if you don't think he's going to get any cheaper or he's going to keep being super consistent, then you might just have to pay up in some areas. So you work out, okay, well, who do I have that? It's a must have. I don't have Dawson or you don't have English. And you would target them as soon as they become feasible. And then the rest of the time, it's pretty much value, value, value. And I know people who are spending up big on other areas like Anderson or Sarong or one of those players. But where are you going to get the money for the rest of your line is the question I would have. So most of the time, it's value first. And then look at who is really important for success, as in high ownership. So whether you, if you don't have a Clary, you don't have an English, you don't have a Dawson. Those kind of players that can actually ruin your season if they get off off the chain and focus on spending the money on them specifically and then looking value elsewhere. Aim of the game is honestly just to improve what points are on field for you. So I think I think it's I think it's delicate. And like you said, you want the big names who when they go off hurt you and you don't have them, but you also want to improve what you've got on the field scoring for you in any given week. So if that means grabbing someone at 400k with a really low break even who's on a hot run of form, they're bottomed out after missing a few games through injury and they've got an injury-affected score or they've moved into a different role and so now they've got their scoring 80s, 85s and going to move up to that 450, 500k mark and that's going to improve your points on field, generate your cash, give you a little bit of a stepping stone but also not someone who you have to upgrade. It's more of a luxury in that sort of in in that sort of thing where you can loop them with someone else or 
it's it, it's difficult because cash generation has been so hard this year, but there's but people are finding ways around it, and it's just a matter of chasing the money when it's when when it's being made, pretty much. I think for me, like sometimes the easiest way to break it down is to make yourself a shortlist. So in this case, we use Patch's example of you've got Dawson, you've got Angus Brayshaw, and you've got Powell. I'm assuming you means Willpower. So Powell and Brayshaw are cheap. They're on the rise and they're scoring quite well. Brayshaw has the upside of Salem coming back. Um, just announced recently that Salem is available for selection now. Clarky, I, mean, I, I I know you've got your Melbourne hat on, but I'm wondering if he means Andrew. Huh. It could be either. Yeah. To be honest, I, I assume defenders because he was talking Dawson Powell and Brayshaw. E- look, either one, Andrew no, and Angus, Angus are both Angus, cheap. Angus could go to the moon because if there's one thing you know with Salem, it's Salem Moon. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> But yeah, Angus Brayshaw, he's scored quite well the last couple of weeks as well. So he's had a hundred and I believe he scored, I think about, you know, high nineties and 98 or so, um, this week just gone. So it's somebody that you can jump on that is shooting up while Dawson has the benefit of, he's probably going to lose a little bit of money if it's 142 break even, which is achievable by Dawson, which is why you want to own him. But, um, you know, it's... <laughs> Sorry, I've so, got Dawson ninety-eight break even. Um, I could be wrong, but no, it, hang on, let me refresh. Let me no, that's okay. Um, the other thing to consider as well, yeah. So the other thing to consider is, well, what's it going to do to the points on field? So the upgrade cadence is key because at the moment, if you pick up value where you have it, then you are going to have additional premium sooner, and then it can actually still get you more points on field rather than you selling the farm and going, oh, okay, I'm going to upgrade and get rid of, let's say, uh, Ashcroft off-field or Hopper off-field, but now I've got, hey, I've got this really good player, but I'm going to now have to play Baker or someone else that was on your bench. Are they good enough on-field or not? Because the you know the rookies have been sketchy at times. Um, or if you're trying to really upgrade your people who aren't on-field, then that's going to give you more points on-field and better cadence. Because I know... Um, Chris as well. So SC Inside 100, Chris, who likes to toot his own horn more than most. Um, he hasn't, he didn't have English. He didn't have, um, you know, uh, Clary still doesn't have Clary. Still doesn't have an English, etc. but he's still in that sort of top thousand bracket because he's just upgrading elsewhere and just keeping that cadence going, waiting for the right time as, you know, Patch was talking about waiting for the right time to jump on one of those players where you actually want to spend up. Next question was submitted by two people, um, Craig and Sebo. Rory Atkins, get him in or pass? Pass. Oh, he's a poor man's chip hunter. It's Lockie Hunter, and it's, he's a seagull. And the worst part about it, when Adelaide were doing Philly, well, he gets 61 week, 100 the next, which might sound really good, except it's Atkins. The guy that they paid so much money, maybe they're just trying to get a rebate on the five-year contract or whatever they gave him. Um, I would not have a huge amount of confidence. Weller being confirmed out is kind of a, a false sense of confidence as well that you know with him playing. Um, and it's a lot of money to lock it up. Just spend the extra money. Go, what is it, Williams from Port. I think he's about 30000 more or something or other. Has two 80s in his cycle. I cannot. There's only one person I would recommend not going ahead of Atkins and he plays for Geelong. 
Clarky, oh. you, you've, you've also highlighted Josh Weddle and Mitch Nevitt as other options as well, but Weddle hasn't scored fantastically, and Mitch Nevitt is, um, well... On the subble. Chris... As, Patch, as Patch put it, on the subble. Yep. He's... But, so, there's there's two things I'm thinking, and this is probably also creeping a little bit off, uh, you know, Ben, your mate, Chris. Um Hawthorne seem to want to play the kids and they've got this guy who, you know, look, let's be honest, they're not really pushing for contention. So let's get a good mix of guys who we want to get games into and guys who are experienced enough that they can improve. So Weddle could fall into that category. The issue is, is that I think they spoke about, oh, you know, someone's doing well or you have the, you know, such a, a young extended bench where they've had some games. It's like, Hey, by the way, your emergencies are these players. Like what's going on. Mitchell actually came out saying, Hey, like we've got a really solid 15 players, but then from 15 to 35, it's very even. Mm. Now that's a big issue when you're playing sort of what 22 or, you know, uh, so 24, 20, yeah, 23 players, whatever it is. Um, it's an issue because you go, okay. So now you've got a lot of carryover into their box Hill who are doing very well as well. So that's why sometimes they're in for one, out for one, in for two, out for one. Like it's literally, they probably, those fringe players, you have to hit and hope. Yeah. And I think the problem that I have with Atkins is the price point. Like 200K is a lot to pay up when faced with an option of a Weddle who could be a slow burn. Um, you know, as you said, Ben, there's there's really no certainty around any of them at Hawthorne at the moment. Um, Nevitt, I think, could benefit possibly from the danger outage, which means you could get a solid couple of weeks from him. It's the same reason why we pick Simpson, where there's a role that needs to be filled. He's someone who the club have stated they have confidence in building up. Um, you know, he's been on that sub list, yes, I think two twice this season so far. Um, but when he's had those full games, you know, he's got enough that I think if we can get a couple of weeks out of him, it's a decent enough slow burn. At a price point that's more digestible than 200k. Uh, sub in his first game with a 14, got a 46 and then a 72. The thing that I, the benefit for Nevitt is that they actually spoke about him preseason as well as playing yeah. on the wing. So they toss it up between him and oh, I can't remember the other fellow, but there was two players that they spoke about saying, hey, these guys can come in and play on the wing and they're learning the craft on the wing in the preseason. So at least it's not like he's come out of nowhere. So there is some kind of background information and some credibility that they were looking at him for that role anyway. So now it's just about whether he can keep it. So if you want to go there, yes, you have to pay the extra 23K and I think get used to it, unfortunately, with Supercoach rookies getting ruined by the sub and then having a slightly inflated price. I think that's going to be the norm going forward until you get sort of, you know, your Tasmania teams coming in. So... Um, I don't mind Nevitt as well. Atkins is uh, the other consideration too. That money you speak of, Clark, is the, it's a big issue because you might go, oh, okay, but that's that's fine. We'll play him on field this week. But then what are you doing with the, the 70K that you don't have now in the bank? That flows on to an issue that might happen next week. And you don't always know because I had the same uh, situation happen. I didn't go Van Ruin and I spent up more money for a player I thought was better, not dropping any names. But then the week after that, I was like, oh, man, I could really use 60K right now. And I was so annoyed that I couldn't get the player I wanted just because I overspent. And I was like, silly Ben, like, remember, rule number one, free up cash. 
Like you need cash. Don't spend $200,000 on a rookie if you can avoid it because you want money in the bank. The whole reason of downgrading is to actually, you know, free up some money to improve your team. So don't tie up too much money in bringing in people that are 200,000. It's not a good idea. And you don't go early on a player either. JG wants to know if we would go early on Blake Jury. It's like Ben said before, there's there's kind of this thing where sometimes you make a decision that works for you this week, but you're really just kicking the can down the road, um, which sometimes you need to do that. And sometimes it really hurts you by bringing in Drury this week. You don't make any money off the trade and there's no guarantee that he plays again next week. So yes, you get that you free up the capital from downgrading, say, Ben Ruin, a Davey, even, even a Matty Roberts, if you're try, still trying to offload him from the injury. Um, like it's it's difficult to recommend it when we don't know that it's actually going to be beneficial long term other than freeing up capital now ask any wagner owner how they feel <laughs> he, as in, if you owned wagner then i doubt you'd be asking if you should bring in drury a week early so ask ask any wagner owner any real wagner owner it it doesn't matter if they're on your bench because you you want to make sure it's locked in and that's the issue. And the other issue is as well, if you start to go early on these players, then the next time you'll go, okay, so I, I need money. I need it now. I can't really wait a week. This is my only option. You free it up. It's like, yes, it feels great. You upgrade. But then next week, the guy who was meant to be your downgrade option is no longer there. And then the only option you have next week is also someone who's a week too early. So then you're going to have to constantly compound risk after risk after risk just to free up cash Instead, if you just kind of actually just wait a week, right, then that way you actually take the risk at the right time and you're still getting the same players as everyone else, but you're not actually adding to your risk factor because you're just, you're playing roulette each week. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's it's like you sort of spoke about before as well, where we're talking about what benefit does this have on field? If it's a strictly a bench thing, there's maybe slightly more you know, mitigated risk because you're not worrying about what they're going to score. You're only freeing up the cash and you're going, well, my on-field is what it is. So, you know, I'm going to have to play an Ashcroft on-field, but I've got another upgrade and I've just got a dead zero on the bench who I can maybe loop with. Maybe that works for you. But if you're in the position, which I've seen a lot of people are in similar positions, but you're carrying, you know, Van Ruyen, if you're a Van Ruyen owner, he's been suspended for two weeks. Melbourne are going to appeal it, but... To be perfectly honest, even though I don't necessarily agree with it, um, you know, I think it'll probably be upheld because of the result and Ballard was injured and I'm glad that Ballard's okay and that kind of thing. It's it's a, it's a football thing. You move on from that, but you probably either downgrade him or you're going to hold him through that suspension because he'll probably pop right back in. If you've still got Matty Roberts, you can offload him. I've still got Constable because the timing just wasn't right to get rid of him. And you end up holding these guys who in the long term have kind of affected my ability to generate money. Like that's three spots right now that are not making me money. They're not giving me points. So, you know, what are, what are they? Like they're, they're useless to me. I'm just taking up space. I remember getting excited when I kept Constable and traded out um, Chesser and and then he got injured and I was like, oh, what a great decision. And then next minute Constable does not play again. 
and Chester probably comes back in and will be a warm body in a depleted West Coast side and probably has to play more than the 40% time on ground or whatever he got. That was horrible. Um, I'm actually considering bringing him back in, boys. I don't know if anyone's spoken about that yet, but no, he... but you are saying exactly. I did the, exactly the same thing. So I would bring in Chessa over any other rookie in defence, and that sounds horrible because of how bad he played. But West Coast is so depleted. He was a top draft pick. They need him, and I honestly would rather have him on the bench than Weddle. For the extra, what is he? He's not even much more, like 10K more. What is he, 140? Yeah, he's not much more. And West Coast have already said he's available to play. They took him as an emergency because they didn't want to play him, but they thought they might have to. He trained after the game, and now they say, well, he went across, but he didn't play. He did a full session after the game to get that conditioning in your legs, and now he's available. So for me, I'd rather go him over Weddle. I'd rather go him over Atkins, and I'd rather use that money than to actually get a good premium. The only one rivaling him is probably Nevitt, but I think, again, job security-wise, like, just look at West Coast injury list. They need they need Chesser. I never traded Chesser because <laughs> well, well, because well. he only made what like twenty k, so there was so there was no reason to. And he was good for he was good for looping with West Coast playing a lot of Sunday games. So, um, um, not, Damien, I actually went Chesser to Chandler. Did you get Chandler? <laughs> Let's move to the next question. If you could only afford one of Clayton Oliver or Jordan Dawson this week, who would you bring in? That's from Smart Swans via Twitter. Uh, yeah. Historically, Jordan Dawson against St. Kilda. Uh, 130 at Adelaide Oval, 85 at Marvel, 89 at the SCG. Uh, Clayton Oliver against Hawthorne. 119, but a 139 in 2021, and then a 115. So it's conflicting, right? Because Clary, you'd go, okay, well, he's a, a definitely a must-have midfielder, and Dawson, respectively, for defense. But if you go, okay, a guy who's going to average really well in defense is probably worth more than someone who's going to average well in the midfield. So you could go, okay, I'm going to get Dawson, but then I'm going to go cheaper and get a steal. And I'm like, who can I get for 500000 in defense? Like Sinclair, maybe. So then it's Dawson and Steele against Clary and Sinclair, maybe. Um, for me, I'm going Clary just for the for the the, the benefit of I can make him a, a captain any week. And I know Dawson's really serviceable, but can he keep up that form for the rest of the year with the increased attention that he's getting because of how dominant he is? Um, I'm probably going Clary, but I could argue both ways. Sorry, Clarky. No, no, that's right. I, I, I agree. I would say Clayton Oliver long-term. If you're looking at the matchup specifically this week, I'd probably say Dawson is most likely going to score more than Clary, um, or at least the same. At the minimum, they will score the same, but I think Clary might get a little bit of attention um, from Hawthorne. Uh, is, it Connor, is it Connor Nash who's been running with people from Hawthorne? Um, which, you know, probably drops Clary to maybe like a 100, 110 if it's bad. Damo? I'm on, I, th- I think I, I think I'd go for Clayton Oliver. Um, I don't think Connor Nash is that much of an issue. He has shut down a couple of players over the last few weeks, few months, few me- weeks or months, but um, oh, I think Clayton Oliver is the one to go for. And as you said, Ben just gives you another captaincy option who at worst 
could be a vice captaincy if he plays earlier in the week and will score you 110, 115 and gives you something to think about. Yeah, I think when when trying to toss up between a premium, never discount the captain factor. Uh, I have learned very harshly the last couple of weeks how important it is to pick a good captain. And yet, like having a permanent captain option in Clayton Oliver is just, it, it's worth its own weight in Ranger Gold. <laughs> um, the other thing to consider, he... He, you could dominate against weaker opponents, but generally speaking, he, you know, you get the job done. You still get your touches. When they play top eight sides, though, he really he turns it on, mm. almost like that challenge where right we're playing a good team and then he just goes absolutely bananas. So there will be a time where he'll just get a hold of a, a bottom four team and just absolutely take them to town, like he has before. I think it was like Adelaide bottom four two hundred super coach, Gold Coast when they're bottom four two hundred super coach. Sometimes he just literally racks up. And other times they're going, okay, well, you know, Petrarca, you can get some CBAs or play more forward of center and you can just rack it up today. So for me, you know, that's why he's still been averaging 120 against these weaker sides, you know, and when you have a look at their run sort of coming up, I think, you know, when you have your, you know, your Port, Carlton, Collingwood, Geelong, Saints, Brisbane, he's going to tail up. And then also as a security option from round 20 or well, even 19 onwards, Adelaide, Richmond, North, Carlton Hawks Sydney as his Supercoach run home for finals. Um, yeah, I'll take him for Supercoach finals. Thanks. Next question: English Darcy Gorn Marshall Wits rank them one to five for the rest of the year, and how important is it to have the top two of them going forward? Now that order, I've I've read them out in is the order that they were submitted in the question, but that's probably my order anyway. And I think it's important that you get English if you don't have him, but any one of the other four is good enough. Yeah. I don't think there's any English plus one of those four is fine. And it's probably what, a lot of people are running with um, in in an ideal world. Um, can I just say, you did say which one of those five going forward. Uh, easy answer is Max Gorn is the only one actually going forward. Going forward. He's gone forward. And Gorn could get um, dual position very soon as well, which is another thing to That's... think about. <laughs> oh, Damo, yeah. Listen back, Damo. You're going to be very upset with yourself. Um, that's, yeah. that's, that's comedic genius, Damo. I love it. Sandbag yes. him. So the, the phrasing in the question was which one going forward is in, yes, time. And I was saying positional going forward would be Max Gorn. Um, so English for me, number one, 100%. Gorn I like for the you know, the forward factor, but if you don't have him already through opportunity trading and you know Grundy, et cetera, then you'd probably wait until the DPP does kick in. 40% forward the last three rounds running. Now currently 38% forward for the season. And he just needs to continue similarly with what's happening at the moment to actually get that um, DPP change. So eyeing off that one. For me, it's um, Marshall. If you have him, no point in trading him. He's up and down like a yo-yo. Wits is someone who's dropping and you might consider coming in this week playing um, West Coast. And they have zero ruck and leak so much points. Look at Marshall the other week just towed up or whoever they're playing. Literally rag the ragdolls West Coast at the moment. Um, Darcy, I pushed down that list. 
English, if you've got him already, whoever, whatever ruck you have, I don't know if there's many other options. People have set and forget in some capacity. So I think you just kind of, whatever you've got is pretty much where you should be. Unless yeah, you've got Gorn. Yeah, but if you have Gorn, then in three weeks' time, hopefully you push him forward. And then I'd be looking at more, again, value, price point, who's dropped his wits down to, you know, 560. Maybe you would look at him is, you know, Darcy with his yo-yo Shrek-like tendencies. I still would avoid him. Sorry. Uh, another thing to re- remember is um, Darcy Cameron is actually due back in four or five weeks as well. So yeah, next week, Darcy Cameron next week. Excellent. And he's got a break even that's low as well. I think it's like 50. Um, Collingwood came out speaking. So they said one week and then he pretty much was training fully last week and they expect him, Cameron, to play as soon as next week. So you look at his break even. Sorry to interrupt you, Damo. Break even at 53. So I was close. And you have that means you have to pay five, nearly 500 grand and you have to get him straight away because of that break even or except the fact you might have to pay 520K a week after. King's birthday is going to be a stressful game to watch. Oh, God. Um, I would say... So while we're talking about rucks... Um, Rohan Marshall uh, was reported today to still be a little bit ginger um, from, I think he had a minor role uh, during the North game. If he were to miss a week, it's an obvious hold, isn't it? Especially if you've got someone like Samson Ryan, who you can swing with a Nick Madden or a, or a, or a Radagalia or something like that, like, like that. Don't throw negativity out in the world, Clarky. Um, yeah, the after the game, the coach said he had a role, but he could have gone back on. And that Gresham had a precautionary because he had a knock to the same knee he had, I think, a PCL on. So they said, but both should play. Now, I think I don't, I don't know if he tagged them both in the comments saying like, oh, like Gresh and, you know, Marsh had some knocks. And they did some light training, then they went off. The key will be in two days' time on the Friday where they actually have a proper run. So expect both to probably get named unless they're playing late in the round, which I don't know if that's the case. But is it round nine? So they play a Sunday game. So they'll get named on the Friday night. So that after that training, see how they go. And um, I expect both will probably get up, you know, take a light, easy training. They're not on the injury list. It's not test on an injury list. They didn't have him listed as an official injury. So it'd be a case of maybe he just didn't get up this week. Sometimes I think it's just important to voice those for the community because everybody will panic if it does happen. I'm just and kidding. I'm being selfish, Clark. Yeah, I apologize. You cop the donut. That's what you do, teams. McKenna or Ashcroft? One has to go. Who and why? That comes from the break-evens. Depends on who you're trading in. I don't matter. McKenna's going. McKenna's going. <sighs> he has had some really bad, like I know poor, poor quarters. Yes, Ashcroft has had a couple of poor quarters, but uh, Fantasy Freako or someone else also tweeted out, I think that Ashcroft's averaging maybe 93 at the Gabba this year. So the four, four, the home versus away advantage is real. And I know McKenna's tempting because they're playing Essendon. Maybe he'll lift for the occasion, but... I think you just got to keep Ashcroft because he is capable of scoring hundreds. He has probably less standard deviation in that role. And I'd probably just keep him over McKenna. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I'm I'm keeping Ashcroft this week. Yeah. 
So Connor McKenna is the answer there from all three of us. Next question comes from Eddie. He has Bontempelli, Rory Laird, and Tom Green. Who should be the priority midfielder to target next? So I'm assuming he's stacked his forward line and defense at the moment. So what is it? Bontempelli, Green, and... And Rory Laird. Okay, so Clary. Clayton Oliver's number one, I absolutely. Yep, Clary from there. Value, I'd say, steals fairly high on my list. I know people got off steal. Uh, he played a bit forward, et cetera, et cetera. But again, you look at the Saints run home, I think they have the softest draw with Essendon out of the whole competition. So, like, I don't know. Just have a look. Give, do yourself a favor. Look at Essendon's draw after this week going forward and then go look at St. Kilda's draw going forward as well. And then, yeah, like Sinclair, Steele, like, load up. Parrish, Merritt, load up. And then yeah. that's where... Josh, um, Josh Kelly is also quite cheap. Sail on jelly. Give it a wobble. I'm surprised you two are still talking about Josh Kelly. Uh, look, sometimes you just got to move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's he's not um not relevant for me. People well, can talk about him the all they pocket. like. He's not playing in the Ford pocket anymore, is he, Ben? No, he's not. We don't have to worry about that. No, Walsh will get DPP instead. I'd much rather Walsh forward than Josh Kelly forward. That'd be lovely. That's who I'd be targeting elsewhere. Uh, sorry, otherwise as well, Demo, is uh, Walsh. Um, yeah, so he's now 39% forward and three games to go. And the reason he's forward is because he's starting forward of centre for CBAs and then pushing into that contest. So uh, unless that changes over the next three weeks and changes considerably, I do expect that he will actually get forward status in three weeks' time. So he's someone that you might actually be able to look at. Although if they're stacked with the forwards, um, that's going to be an issue because then it's like, oh, one more forward to the mix. If you are one of those people looking at actually bringing in a forward this week and you're like, oh, maybe like a Bailey Smith or a Goulden, um, maybe go, hey, uh, would you rather th them or would you rather Gorn or would you rather Walsh? And if the answer is one of those other two, then maybe don't bring in a forward this week. Is Zebel a must-have down back? Even before last week, he's been hitting the ton most weeks and seems to be scoring solidly. Who would you bring in out of Zebel and Sinclair? That comes from Matthew Pitt. The pit of gold that he doesn't have. Zebel, 541k hasn't gone up as much as I was thinking, but he is 184k more than everyone else would have had him. So it's like Sicily last year, except, you know, 27% owned, Averaging well. So was he 111 for the season? Um, look, he, he's good. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I'd probably rather Sinclair. I don't know. I was in more for consistency of role, consistency of scoring, uh, previous output, etc. I mean, Zebul wears his heart on his sleeve, but also puts himself in positions where he just gets absolutely knocked around. So that role at any point, I don't see it changing, but they are already loaded a little bit more now as far as health in that defensive line for the bigger stock players. Um, and for price, I guess they're similar price, but aren't they? I'm just going Sinclair. Yeah, I've already uh, got, I've already 3, got him. 3K difference. Yeah. So I've already got Zebul. I think if you're going to go Zebul, maybe you should have gone there already um, because everyone else has saved their money there. Whereas Sinclair has actually dropped in cash. He's $80,000 cheaper 
and he's only 13% owned. So what, half the ownership, he's dropped cash, maybe pick him up on the dip uh, instead of picking someone up $180,000 more than what you could have got them earlier. The thing that worries me about Jack Zebel, and it hasn't happened yet, but I think there will be a week where he's put into a different position just so Clarko can see what happens. We didn't we didn't foresee Griffin Logue playing forward against St. Kilda, but hey, that happened and he left Fremantle because he didn't want to play forward, but guess what? You didn't that didn't work out. Um but yeah, I just I just got a feeling that Zebel's down back for now. Does he does does he stay there? I just don't know. Clarko's moving the magnets around to try and find something that works again. Yeah, look, it, it's easy to recommend Zebel coming off a one seventy nine. I think as well, um, the potential Aaron Hall factor while they're moving the magnets around as well. Like Aaron Hall is talented enough to be in that best twenty two. He didn't have the greatest of games when he did come back, um, but also you know, yeah, that was. <laughs> That was just a bad, bad game for everyone concerned when it comes to North Melbourne. So I think even with the Aaron Hall factor, he probably averages around the same as Jack Sinclair. Um, so probably I would say Zeebel at this stage because he's cheaper. Oh, Saints draw though. Look at the Saints draw. I think he's tailing up. Uh, again, I do agree. Flip coin, but the draw. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Jack Sinclair just because of the Saints draw. Last question. What do we think of Oscar Baker to Dom Sheed as a midfield stepping stone? Sure. Sure. I, you know, I haven't thought about it. I'll be honest. I haven't thought about it. Even after reading the question, I didn't think about it. I, um, I just love how our silence was so reassuring after I read the question. It was just, dead air until someone said something um she has only had one game back after missing four rounds and it's a 115 against richmond and the draw coming up we've got gold coast who gold coast aren't the pushovers that i think everyone thinks they are anymore like they're going in it with a bit of ferocity um in terms of like watching the Melbourne game last week, they really took it to us in terms of intensity and that can crumble a lot of teams who aren't paying attention. Uh, and it's also West Coast. So then they've got Hawthorne, uh, Essendon, Collingwood, Adelaide. I just, it's not better or worse than Oscar Baker. But Were they asking to go like what, sideways? Sideways, yep. But it's 150, 115... It's you're throwing money at him to get him to sheed. So you're actually up. It's an upgrade. You are. So the only reason you would spend 400 K on someone, it's not the start of the year with Hopper, right? Where you go, okay, 400 grand, I'm going to put you in my team and let you develop and even have a look at Hopper. Like, yes, he's made money, but he's, he's had to pull out some good hundreds yeah. and people are looking at getting rid of him because of a poor score. And then I was like, oh, his break even's down 92. So you know, I don't think she's going to make enough money. And at this point, are you, do you want to sit on someone for another six weeks to then try and upgrade after the buys? It's like, well, no, you actually want to upgrade 
during the buys or before the buys rather than you holding someone and carrying them through the buys and then waiting for them to be ripe too late. So I don't like spending and investing that money onto a baker just to go a $400,000 option that I'm not keeping. It's essentially two, two, you're spending one trade, but you're going to have to spend another one later down the track. So you're, you're using two trades just to make one, to make one move and, yeah, yeah, I don't I know. I can tell you two options better and and they're not like I know he he looks like he's making money right now for Sheed, but Ollie Wine's 400k, he's someone who has dropped about 180 he could if he starts getting the CBAs again could because it's hypothetical we haven't seen it yet, but he's someone who could go 100 to 105 running home like he did last year. Um last year's winner was like, "Oh man, I wish I'm thinking he was looking at Kennedy." because of the sub roles. If Carlton start to play Kennedy the way they should be playing Kennedy, he is actually another, he's like, oh, he's the Ollie Wines of 2023 because Ollie Wines last year, you could pick up super cheap and averaged you a hundred plus on the run home and still ex- did extremely well. Although Ollie Wines is also the Ollie Wines of 2023 because he has been horrible. I'd rather have fun and pick Kyle Langford. I'd rather get Ridley in a few weeks' time. Yeah. <laughs> nah, look, I, yeah, look, to answer the question directly, I don't think it's worth it. Um, save it and make a full upgrade. Or somebody who has a proper history, like, Ben, you're going to hate this, because, <laughs> but Max Holmes. Four, <laughs> 480. He's moving the microphone away. 480... A run of tons at the moment. It's not, it's not ideal, but it's fun, and he's showing that he's got a ninety to one hundred and five scoring range. Clarky, we've lost our guest. What what have you done? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Oscar Baker to Dom Sheed is the way to go. I think I think you just I think I think you leave that one alone and try something else and. <laughs> I just like the recommendation of like, let's not spend 110000 or whatever it is upgrading Baker to Sheed. Let's spend $200,000. Yeah. Let's just go let's up go. a little well, that's, more. That let's, makes sense. Yeah. Can I talk to you about this? Um, was it a timeshare? Can I invest <laughs> you? Can I interest you in this extra option here for a little bit more? For 80K more, you yeah. can actually have this other guy who will be horrible in four weeks' time. Why buy colored fruit-flavored hoops when you could have Fruit Loops, baby? VCC options for this week, guys. Oh, this is your expertise, Ben. It, it is not. I sold not you a year. lemon. I sold <laughs> you a lemon. It's been, it's, as, it's been Chris this year that's been having fun with his VCC. He has. It? I might as well be playing ladies soccer because I am definitely part of the Matildas. And if anyone's seen the movie Matilda, I have sold you a lemon. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. So mine has been horrible. Overthinking is definitely the theme of the year. Um, Chris has been dominating, but then I think part of it is, is cause he's not telling me his VC and he's changing it last minute. Um, that's what I'm going with. So for me, if you have Clary and Bont, it's an easy VC and C for me. As far as that goes, the tempting factor would be Stewart against Richmond, um, possibly high ceiling there. He's only had one really big game though. So I'm a bit cautious. If that. you have Noah Anderson against oh, West coast. Easy VC. Yeah. That's a that, that's a good VC option there. Um, 
I hate to say it, we can't recommend Nick Dacos this week. No, I I I need to see him get back to get back to his form of the first six but weeks before I recommend be him at all. <laughs> this will be the week, don't. We? Um, uh, Wits uh, owners that don't own Anderson as well, I'd recommend probably a VC on that one. Similar to round one, he went what one forty against an undersized opponent. Um, so I think Wits is the other one. I also like Josh Dunkley against Essendon, but that's. That's that's probably a less obvious one. Oliver against the Hawks, Bontempelli against Carlton. Those are, as you said, Ven. They're they're the two obvious ones. Yeah, even a sneaky Gorn against Hawks. Now I know English was kept to a lesser amount, but with the dual system of Gorn and Grundy, I think Gorn will either he'll rack it up and get the the contest, you know, the tap to advantage and the rest of it. Or he'll sit behind the play and probably get some intercepts when they butcher it out yeah. of the. They try and switch it or butcher it out of the down the line, or he'll push forward and, I mean, put some people under some real pressure and kick some goals. So I don't Captain's mind that goal. as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that. God, I wish I owned Max Gorn. I did own Max Gorn. He got injured. Anyway, sorry. End yep. it on a limit. And I'm reaping all the benefits. All right, that's all the questions for today. Ben, thank you for joining in on Mailbag once again. Remind our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, SC Insider 100, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok as well. YouTube is pretty much where we do a lot of our work. There's three of us. We do our own team reveals and stuff weekly, and we do a lot of content on there as well. So do look for a Supercoach Insider. Absolutely go watch the videos, guys. Uh, I, I watch them as religiously as I can, and oof, it's good to have some video Supercoach content out there. And Clarky, thank you again for being here. Always a pleasure. Uh, I hope may all your captain scores be 200s. If you have a question you'd like answered, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com. And we'll talk next time.